Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Epic Cash Twitter Spaces. Thank you all for joining on today. I'm Jam, and today we'll be looking at what many people in the industry have been calling the biggest event since the creation of Bitcoin, and that is, of course, the Ethereum merge. Now, before we get into that, if you could please give this Spaces a retweet, and if you could please share this on any other social media that, that you make use of, that would be fantastic. And let's get straight into the news and updates for the week. So, first up, I would just like to reiterate some Freeman Express news that was mentioned on Uncle V's live stream yesterday. So, basically, if you would like to trial a new Freeman Express card in a particular country, please do drop Max a DM. That's Max Freeman, of course. There can only be one volunteer per country, so, you know, don't hang around if you want to trial the new card. As soon as I heard this news, I actually paused the video and sent Max a DM straight away. So hopefully, fingers crossed, I managed to get one for the Philippines. Now, we've covered Freeman Express updates a few times over the most recent episode, so I won't go into you know plenty of detail on that again. But it sounds, again, as if great progress is being made, and I can't wait to have my own Freeman Express card. It's exciting stuff. Now, this week... Some of you may have caught the article that Bitcoin Magazine published on the White House and US lawmakers potentially looking at banning Bitcoin proof of work. Now, it's it's kind of uh, convenient that this was published at this time, given the fact that Ethereum is also transitioning from proof of work to proof of stake. Whether that's a convenience or not, who knows? But this comes after the White House Office and the White House Office of Science and Technology submitted its report on Bitcoin's mining, uh, the climate impact of it. So basically, the report alluded to the fact that there could be executive orders and legislation from Congress uh, that may come in the form of limiting or completely eliminating Bitcoin proof of work mining. And just to give a, a quick quote from the article, so depending on the energy intensity of the technology used, crypto assets could hinder broader efforts to achieve net zero carbon pollution consistent with US climate commitments and goals. Now, for those of you who have been around crypto for a while, at least a number of years, you'll know that this type of argument has been raised so many times. I mean, for me, I've lost count how many times this argument has been raised. However, the fact that this comes from the Office of Science and Technology could potentially make this a little bit different this time around. So I guess this is a case of let's watch this space and, and see how it transitions. Let's see what happens. Um, so my final bit of news was that some of you may have heard a little bit about my home country getting a new prime minister this week. Her name is Liz Truss. I'm pretty confident, however, that most of you won't have seen her tweets from 2018 that was publicised recently as a result of her, you know, becoming the new prime minister. Um, and Liz actually stated that in a in a tweet, we should welcome crypto in a way that doesn't constrain their potential, and we should liberate free enterprise areas by removing regulations that restri restrict prosperity. Now, hopefully Liz's stance has not changed on crypto, and hopefully this leads to some favourable crypto laws coming to the UK. That would be amazing. However, Liz is actually well known in the UK for changing her stance on Brexit after being part of the losing side. So, 
you know, hopefully she's still pro crypto, but we'll see. So those are my news and updates for the week. Does does anybody have any other Epic Cash related news that, that's been missed or, or any other crypto related news in general that they'd like to raise at all? Yeah, um, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Rahman from India, a new community member. Uh, he's been doing some great volunteer work of uh, translating the um, 14 Epic Cash PDFs to 31 different Indian languages. Uh, and I think that he will definitely, uh, India will be ours soon, I think. Uh, he's going to do some great work over there. Um, I, I spoke with him about uh, getting him on Twitter spaces sometime, and it's definitely going to happen. He'll even bring some of his friends sometime, but Jam, me and you will uh, talk about that after. But yeah, that's just, uh, just wanted to give him a little shout out. Um, but that's the news that I have. Awesome. Um, if it wasn't obvious, he's always welcome. So any episode, any time, he's always welcome to come on. Sweet, yes. <laughs> and I'll just say work continues on the ECR white paper. Um, we've had ECR introduction papers to ECR um, that give uh, broader strokes, and we're trying to get into the nitty-gritty technology aspects and DeFi impacts that ECR will have in the ecosystem. Um, and lots of amazing things that, um, you know, some, some of the founding members and uh, some of the uh, people like Uncle V, uh, well, not that Uncle V is a founding member, but, you know, the, the Todd Lewis's of the world, the Max <clears throat> Freemans of the world, um, they're, all, they're all working on uh, making the epicenter ecosystem a better place and, and making, making big moves. And um, the DNA of Bitcoin <clears throat> podcast is inching ever closer. Um, fantastic interviews with people like Saifuddin Amus and um, <clears throat> Mark Cuban um, and a, lot, a handful of other really influ influential people in the crypto space. So watch out for that. Yeah, nice updates, Izzy. Um, could you perhaps touch upon the ECR white paper just a little bit, just to give a brief summary? Because that sounds exciting to me. Yeah. Um, let me... Look at what I have here. Um, so <clears throat> it's a it's a looking at the outline here, and and we're we've just been going through and <clears throat> uh, touching on all the things from um, the economics <clears throat> of it. Uh, a lot of a lot of times to hear. Um, well, let me start off from what's where we start here. Um, <clears throat> it, it goes over who, who the team so. <clears throat> um, the team working on this is myself, Uncle Pinchalanti, Yoga, Yoga Dude, uh, El McMurphy, uh, Jess, Jessica Chaplin, Alpha Eyes, and um, there's several other people in the community as well. Like I think Johnny um, <clears throat> from Avalon team has, has, has uh, been influential on, on this as well. Um, <clears throat> we, is there like a predicted date as to when this, this might be completed for uh, in terms of a draft or... No, and okay. I had said initially we've got so much information that um, this should be a matter of inventory, and I said that, and I, and I said it could probably be done with, be done within a week. <clears throat> but um, you know, I'm probably I'm sort of like the team lead on this, and I'm probably have like twenty percent of you know uh, an overall uh, effect on on what happens in this, and then 
the other parts come from people like Max and uh, maybe even Todd and um, <clears throat> the rest of the team team uh, team that I just mentioned. But um, it's uh, I'll just say with the other prior like there's some other priorities underway as well that we can't miss. Um, so that consumes bandwidth. And I can't really talk about what that is. Um, oh, you can't do that to us, is he? <laughs> so, so well, I'll, I, I can say that it's been mentioned, like um, things like uh, Freedom uh, for Freeman Express. Um, it has it's it's related to Freeman Express and getting that launched. So, cool. <clears throat> yes, and 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 that's that's important. Freeman Express, like that's all important. Um, but Freeman Express uh, is is where, where the metal hits the meat, where the rubber hits the road kind of stuff. Um, you know, it, it's, it's what gets the financial gears turning and, and has, has a potential to start um, accelerating the velocity of money components in the ecosystem. So uh, Epic getting converted and, and, and moving around and bought and sold, um, that kind of stuff, you know, um, <clears throat> contributes to volume. And so we want to see that in the financial ecosystem. So um, I have to say it could be October. It could be later this month. Um, it could be later, later, you know, I hope this ECR white paper really needs to get done. Um, <clears throat> that, that's been the assistance of uh, the, the, the leaders in the community that we have the ECR white paper complete before we do follow through with the ECR air grab, which was a snapshot of the Epic blockchain <clears throat> that would assure um, people who hold Epic as of December 31st, 2021, um, they would they would get an equivalent amount of, of ECR. Uh, in a, what we call an air grab, uh, it's typically called an airdrop, <clears throat> where you may have to do a, engage a certain uh, you may have to do a certain thing in order to participate and go and get the um, the coins that will be that were, uh, you know, uh, that you're eligible tracked. for. Yeah, right. That you're eligible for as of as of the snapshot. But um, yeah, so so white paper has our community uh, economics, uh, and I'm just going to fix this real quick because we were going to call it tokenomics, but economics is a is a broader scope. And um, the what what the impact here is broader than just what's happening with any of the tokens in the epicenter ecosystem. It goes into um, fiat um, impacts. So, so we're calling it economics. <clears throat> so then, basically, um, we can we can look forward to it. Yeah. By by approximately November, let's say. So we're not we're not putting any. I, oh, I you would, know what? I, just scrap that from the record. We'll just look forward to it when it's when it's perfectly ready. Cool. Yeah, that it's really tricky to nail down uh, dates uh, on something like this. But but it gets into governance, treasure, you know, what how the treasury works, uh, and and how people can vote on things. And so we're borrowing some stuff from projects like MakerDAO uh, and some other um, notable uh, uh, influencer, you know, influential projects in the. Um, <clears throat> In, in, in the crypto space, and then we're, we're tailoring it to our to our own needs. So, so yeah, sure. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'll, I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay, no worries. Okay, guys. Well, let's make a, a start on today, which is, of course, all around the Ethereum merge and a deep dive. So, I'll just open this by giving a bit of background on where we are today. So, 
my understanding is that we have essentially two chains belonging to Ethereum as of right now. We have the proof of work chain, which is where everyone currently transacts on Ethereum. And we have the proof of stake beacon chain. Now, the plan is for these two chains to essentially merge. And I, Izzy mentioned it earlier, specifically between around the 15th and 16th of September, although it is dependent on the blocks and the blockchain rather than the specific dates. But that's what some of the developers have um, insinuated in previous podcasts and reports. So basically, so far, three of the Ethereum testnets have had a successful merge. Now, hopefully I'm pronouncing these correctly, but that is Ropsten, Sapolia and Goali. And in terms of the Ethereum mainnet merge, we have actually already had the what's been termed the Bellatrix up, upgrade, which happened on the 6th of September. And basically, this upgrade on the proof of stake beacon chain is what is responsible for turning the idea of the merge into a reality. So that's already happened. Now, the next step will be to trigger what's known as TTD, the terminal total difficulty. And this is, as we've mentioned, expected to occur on the 15th to the 16th of September. And this is basically, TTD basically makes it unprofitable for miners to continue mining on Ethereum. And thus, it basically pretty much economically forces Ethereum miners to eventually shut down. Whether that happens immediately or within a few weeks who knows and, and that will be reflected actually within a, a potential airdrop for ethereum holders as well um, but we'll see what happens with that there may or may not be an airdrop for us so why don't we start off with getting a few facts out of the way first and what i mean by this is guys there's obviously been a lot of talk around scalability over the last well, several years, there's been a lot of talk around Ethereum scalability at being around, give or take, 15 transactions per second. But I just wanted to clear this up just in case people have a, have or still have the misconception. Is this transition from proof of work to proof of stake going to resolve the scalability issues that Ethereum faces today? Nope. Short answer is no. Um, and... The, their blockchain size right now is one terabyte, <clears throat> so that's, that's huge. You can't just you know throw that on. Even a lot of laptops won't support that. Um, <clears throat> but um, the uh, what actually solves Ethereum, like their next step is what's called sharding, and so they would orchestrate. Um, they would kind of like divvy up the that terabyte blockchain size amongst a bunch of different nodes that would be synchronized. You can imagine sort of like maybe like a Stripe RAID array of, of hard drives where they're all synchronized and the, and the data bits are per parity across the different drives and, and you have data reliability. And so that's, that's their next answer to scale, scalability <clears throat> is to have this system of like, um, shard, shard, yeah, it's just called sharding. They, they, they take their terabyte and they shard it out to various uh, different holders of the blockchain. So that's that's what I understand their their plan is for scalability. Yeah, and that was that was my understanding too. But it it makes me wonder is is the roadmap to get towards that sharding and zero knowledge proofs, which is probably a, a topic of conversation for another day. We've I know we've discussed it previously, but to right. get to sharding, 
is it a case of we need to get to proof of stake first and then we can shard and then we can scale? That's what they're doing. I, I, I imagine they're doing that for a reason. Maybe there's a method to their madness, but yeah, yeah. That, that is what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, well, I would actually like to bring up, Izzy, what we were discussing briefly in the chats yesterday. So some of you may have seen me mention social slashing in the Telegram groups and what this potentially means for centralization, for institutional control, for censorship resistance. So Izzy, you gave some fantastic information yesterday. So I would love it if you could do a complete deep dive into what you were referring to. Okay. <clears throat> Where to start? The <clears throat> Excuse me. How about um, how about the fact that moving from proof of work to proof of stake in and itself, how how does that result in perhaps more centralization rather than what's being described as decentralization? Yeah, well, so now in order to do uh, have assert control over over the network, um, rather than having to buy a bunch of mining equipment and proof of work and then you know uh, dominating fifty one percent of the network. Um, the network cash rate and the proof of work that's being done. Now you can just um, have a bunch of money and purchase a bunch of Ethereum, stand up a bunch of uh, staking nodes, and and assert your own governance because you you can control go in and control. I mean, it would cost a lot of money, but nation, if we've seen anything in the past couple of years, nation states are really good at um, coming up with money and uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and and just doing whatever they want with a bunch of money. So, so that could happen. I mean, there's always nation state actors that could go in and, you know, clandestinely do things and, you know, under the guise of being somebody else and do all sorts of false flags. That's, you know, there's a paranoid side, side of that aspect. I don't, I don't really tend to get into it. Um, but it's, it's, it's still, it's relevant. Like it's, it's totally feasible, conceivable that some um, cyber vandal nation state like North Korea could just go in and, and, you know, but that might not be in their own best interest because I think they like to get into crypto too. But then, you know, maybe cryptos like Ethereum um, that that are subject to these kind of attacks um, become less relevant and, and lose value. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so that's that's the gist of it. Like, uh, it, it, it's 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 this harikari. It's this it's this uh, just this really confused mess of uh, potential governance influences. I mean, the community. I mean. It could be argued that this could be a, 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 a shining good side of the massive pre-mine because we all assume that, you know, or, well, it's, it's known that 60 to 70 percent of, of the coins that are in existence are in control of, um, you know, uh, the OGs, the, the people that were there since the beginning. Um, and they would most likely be able to, to thwart um, nation states who, who might be able to get like 20 or 30 percent of, of, of the assets and but see, that's the thing. Just because you get twenty to thirty percent of the assets, you can still be fifty-one percent of the nodes. It's not like all all the assets in, in the ecosystem. It's not like all the coins in the ecosystem are are nodes. Um, it's not just about coin ownership. It's about what you do with the coins. So you have to put the coins into being in a validator state, and then and to, in order to go and and with your validator army and and to attack other validator armies that are out there that are smaller than yours. Um, <clears throat> so. It's it's just really confusing governance mess, 
of, so going of, back to, of, of what could happen. Yeah. You were diving deep into the pre-mine of 60 to 70%. And yesterday, yeah. I specifically remember you referring to the fact that you knew straight away, as soon as there was a large pre-mine, that yeah. this day would eventually come. Now, why is that? Um, it's just, it's just so because it's from experience. Um, every time we see, like, before we called it a rug pull, we called it an exit scam. And back in when I started looking at this stuff in 2013 and 2014, I learned very quickly from reading on BitcoinTalk.org and learning from other people with experience and, and seeing it happen. Um, there are so many projects that would spring up that would just be a clone of Litecoin or, <clears throat> uh, you know, another fork of Bitcoin. And then they would be here for a week or two and uh, they would get listed on some exchange where, you know, they had <clears throat> their pre-mined coins ready to be sold. And then, you know, they would say... Oh, they would, you know, buy, buy the rumor, sell the news. They would um, give out a rumor like, oh, we're going to release this technology and it's a big deal. And then people go, okay, well, I don't want to miss out on that. So they start buying up these coins and then, and then they just sell in, into, the, into the hype. And, and, you know, there's the obvious uh, introduction to, to pre-mines and, and why they're risky. Um, and so when Ethereum was, was announced in January, on January 23rd, 2014, in the same day, you know, we, we had people talking about this, like, like, uh, let me, let me find the, you know, here's a comment from, from, uh, from a guy, a, a pre-mine, 50% of the whole supply, really? And, and this is saying 50% of the whole supply, <clears throat> but that's 50% times, times ex-fiduciary members, um, and, and, and that's just one part of what they do. Re in reality, the entire, at the onset, it was 100% pre-mine. Now, granted, there have been more coins produced over time, but um, it's, it's just, it's, it's just, they have massive control over all their coins. And, that's, that, and when you have mass, massive control over the coins like that, what that gets into is a third-party control uh, intermediary because they can go in and... and make changes on the, on the network protocol of how the coins flow and, and do things like either go against Coinbase, you know, uh, where, where Coinbase is complying with a, a, a law enforcement agency that says, hey, you know, we have the sanctions in place and so these addresses have to be blocked. Well, Coinbase is going to have to uh, yeah, abide with those laws or, 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 or be in legal battles with them. And actually, I think Coinbase has stepped out. That's, that's a bit of news, actually. Um, Brian Armstrong, I, I forgot about that. I saw that in, in a headline and well, <clears throat> read a little bit about it. Um, but um, Coinbase kind of, is kind of acting a little, a little bit honorably and, 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 and lashing out a bit against some of these law enforcement agencies that are um, trying to have a little bit too much control over things like Tornado Cash and, you know, trying to get to the value that Tornado Cash provides, which is the scenarios where people have, you know, I don't want everyone to see how much I'm getting paid on my salary kind of stuff. So sure. uh, there's yeah. a lot more to see out uh, of that. But yeah, going back to the pre-mine, it's just, yeah, that's, that's, that's what we're taught as miners from the beginning. Like be very, be, be aware of, um, and Ethereum is a fan, it's the number two crypto in the world, you know, so they've been very successful with a huge pre-mine. Um, so it goes back to how much trust you have in that. And, and, but I think it eventually um, you start, you, you just have to come to an appreciation and realize and be educated of the reality that we're living in now that here we are, um, you know, the, the aim of crypto in the first place is peer-to-peer -peer, um, you know, electronic cash transactions. And, but 
but with a pre-mind, you, you, are, <clears throat> you are asserting a third-party will. You are asserting third-party controls that eventually are realized. And that's the world we live in now with this Ethereum merge. Um, they have rug pulled the miners. <laughs> you know, they said, hey, we're going to have mining and, until you know, we decide as a community that we're not. And, and then all the miners are like, okay, whatever. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> people like to mine, you know? and it's like a thing. And, and it's, it's a whole, there's a whole mining community there too. And, and so it's, it's fair for some people. It's really unfair for other people. And this is what you get into with proof of stake consensus mechanism. This is what you get into with a pre-mine. It's just, this, this is why I go back to proof of work as a fundamental and, you know, uh, little to no pre-mine as a fundamental. Yeah. Okay. So in other words, what you're, I think what you're trying to say is to summarize in a very quick sentence is Ethereum holders have, and the team, the developers have got a lot of control because of this pre-mine. But right. what about the what about the new proof of stake beacon chain that probably is going to be merged within five or six days with the likes of Coinbase, Binance and Kraken, who are who will be major validators on this proof of stake chain. And you mentioned yeah. it. They will need to comply with any wallet sanctions or any smart contract address tra- uh, sanctions by the OFAC. So, you know, they're obviously they're obviously going to comply with that list. And then it eventually makes it a, political and it eventually makes it more even less censorship resistant than it already was so why why would i ask myself why on earth ethereum would want to do this um i I appreciate the electricity benefits and energy consumption benefits that will come with it and i'm not going to i don't want to label this as a as a terrible thing there are pros and cons to this but i think the censorship resistant part and the the political side that will come with it, where you have to abide by sanctions and the validators have to abide by these sanctions, is going to create <laughs> a mess. Yeah. Let's just call it that. Well, there's there's better ways to do energy than coal, um, and even but even you know there's there's still safe way to do to, to do energy production. Um, so, I, I think what we might see. Uh, but the gist of it, to go back to the question, is sure, like en- energy, uh, like green, green earth policies and um, con- conservationists is, is, is a big, is a big uh, significant issue. Um, I think it might be a little overdone sometimes, but it's, it's relevant and it's, it's, it's worthwhile, I think, to, to seek um, uh, renewable energy sources. Like, like Tesla's doing amazing things with solar. Um, but I, 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 yeah, I really think that's a huge part of it is, is the push to, to get away, you know, this, this uh, perceived um, <clears throat> thing that, uh, that we're destroying the planet through, through massive mining efforts. But, you know, Ethereum is, there's still large parts of Ethereum that are just people at home with their, their gaming rigs, you know, with, with graphics cards. And so <clears throat> I, I, would, I, I would be interested, I, I think there's, there have been some studies on like, you know, that, that show a lot of crypto miners use solar um, and, and use more renewables than, than say, like the financial industry <clears throat> of banks. And, and um, so, yeah, I, I, just, I just think it's a little bit nonsensical. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, and could, and, and it's kind of a little bit of them being impatient and trying to, but, but like, I think it causes more problems with, um, you know, the, their 
they're going to have to concede um, that they are a centralized, um, censorable network. That's I don't I don't I don't know how else. You oh, you say, have like, to. Yeah, you have to. Absolutely, I agree with you. Otherwise, other, like if you don't comply with the law of you know, and all these centralized exchanges, you mentioned people, you know, putting their coins into these centralized exchanges, and then and then the exchanges um, performing as uh, validator nodes. Um, if if the community, if the Ethereum community at large decides that these centralized exchanges are bad actors, when all they're doing is complying with the law, and then they go and do something about it. <clears throat> What a big mess. <clears throat> You're going to have all of these. First of all, like, let's count the, the people that are going to hurt by, hurt by this. Um, like, the people with their funds in centralized exchanges, are, they're going to they're get slashed by, by the greater Ethereum community. So they're going to lose all their money. Um, <laughs> the centralized exchanges are going to you know, have to maybe be on the hook to somehow compensate um, the, these people who, who, who had their funds slashed and, and their own funds slashed. Um, so that could like, and Coinbase is a publicly traded company. So that, that could be like, that could be the um, nail in the coffin for them. They, they could be uh, bankruptcy courts and everything. And now all the community members, how, like how many, how many community members are going to go back? Are you going to go back to in the Ethereum community? Are you going to hunt down all these, hundreds of thousands of people around the world who voted <clears throat> with their with their validator nodes to go and take down these and slash these it's cyber it's fine it's cyber it's a cyber crime <clears throat> excuse me so yeah so so that's a big huge mess so <clears throat> excuse me no it's okay no worries is he don't know whether you even need a glass of water or something. You're doing. Yeah, that. I'm. I'm sipping okay. my. I know you, I know I'm sipping my tea. So no yeah, problem. yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. But this, um, um, just uh, basically, I know you used the term slash, just so everyone can be aware of of what we're referring to. Slashing will basically be that if the Ethereum community basically disagree with any actions that a validator takes, be it Coinbase, be it Binance, or be it a smaller party that doesn't stake as many Ethereum as the likes of these major exchanges do, then they can literally get rid of a proportion of their Ethereum that stakes in their validator node, or they can just get rid of all of it. And as Izzy just touched upon, that could involve funds that the centralized exchange owns and it can also own their clients and customers funds so it could turn into a huge mess if that ever turned into a reality and hopefully for the average person that is staking with coinbase or is staking with binance hopefully that doesn't happen yeah that's a really bad look for the ethereum community to do something like that what's up oh yeah no i just have a question um is slashing only only uh, you only able to do slashing on proof of stake, not proof of work, or something like that. Easy, I would correct. I mean, you can you yep. can take you're, this you're absolutely. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, yeah, honestly. It's, it's proof of stake. I, okay. Um, is this proof of stake like like more programmable or something like that? Because proof of work seems really really simple. Like it's proof of work is secure and it can be decentralized with multi-algorithm mining 
uh, it's just not scalable generally. And then you have proof of stake, and it's, I mean, I, I thought it, you know, it solves scalability. I thought that's what it does. And then there just seems to be all these, like, dozens of things with the security or decentralization. I just don't even know what's going on. Is it, like, is there, is it less trustless? Is it, I don't know if there's even an easy answer to that, but I just don't, I don't understand it. So there's a lot more trust involved in proof of stake because, um, the, the, the only way to attain coins now in a proof-of-stake model is to purchase them. Like, you're not relying on... And, 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 the, and so the more distributed, the more decentralized, and the more ubiquitous uh, nature you have in a proof-of-work model, then the less trust is involved in, in, in that proof-of-work model because it's shared amongst a bunch of more miners and, and more actual people. So when you go to things like ASICs, uh, application-specific integrated circuits, that are um, just supercomputers with one design in per, uh, you know, just one, yeah, there's just one purpose to mine, and and it's just specialized equipment, and it tends to be expensive, and um, like most people, like, will have a computer in their house, but they won't have a supercomputer that's meant for mining. And so, what happens with with uh, centralizing that proof of work? <clears throat> now, now you have Bitmain. Uh, mass producing these things and selling to biz to businesses rather than everyday people. And sure, there's a handful of everyday people, but the footprint of the corporate um, impact is much stronger than uh, the average computer nerd who is doing his doing this stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, like you have a lot more power. And and so the problem. And so anytime you focus money or you focus power, you focus control to a to a smaller group of people. It's 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 in general it's it's a it's a bad it's a bad idea. Um, so sorry, my dog. I don't know if you hear my dog in I the think background. You need to, I need to think. You need to feed your dog, is he? Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> it's it's a hostile environment over here. I'm just trying to get through it. Um, <laughs> geez, but so so yeah, proof of stake. Uh, <clears throat> so so and and you mentioned slashing and the difference between proof of work. So. And what happens in proof of work is, you know, the, the security risks there are, are you control a vast portion, you know, you, you hijack all these uh, ASIC miners or you, you, you buy an incredible amount of GPUs, which gets way more complicated than harvesting ASIC uh, power. Like, it's more feasible to mass produce ASICs than it would be to, um, you know, get the NVIDIAs of the world and the AMDs of the world to make you video cards. Um, so so uh, anyways, so, so you, you, you sort out this equipment um, problem, part of the problem of, of dominating a, a proof of work network. And then you hijack that network with your, with your hashing power and you, and you are in control of the blocks and, <clears throat> and the transactions that happen on the block. And, and, and just for that block, you have to sustain that power <clears throat> and, you know, as long as possible. Meanwhile, the rest of the community who's been offended can go in and, and a, a, a coin project like Epic that is, that is agile and flexible to changing algorithms could easily just go and, and make a different iteration. We could even keep the same proof. Uh, we could even keep pro progressive uh, proof, proof of work, what we call prog pow, and just like tweak it a little bit. <clears throat> and now all these ASICs that were somehow built or all these, all these GPUs that were harvested by so some dude, um, you know, well, GPUs would be easier. But anyways, you know, they could, um, we, they, the gist of it is we could make a tweak on that proof of work mining algorithm that would thwart the attack. And now whoever that attacker is, 
okay, congratulations, you controlled one block and, and maybe, you know, uh, maybe, maybe a million dollars or so of, of assets. But meanwhile, uh, we, we could roll back to that block and, and totally annihilate whatever that, that miner just did <clears throat> so that they're left with nothing. Or we could even let the, the blockchain roll forward and just sacrifice those few numbers of blocks that the attacker was in control of. And, and, and now the attacker has, you know, maybe a little bit of money, but it, it, the idea would be that it would cost them way more than whatever they harvested, you know, and, and if it, that weren't the case and, and they harvested way more than what was reasonable, then we could just roll back the blockchain. Um, and, and those are reasonable responses in a proof of work attack. And a proof of stake, you don't have to buy equipment. Uh, you just have to have the, the nodes. You just have, you can either, you know, hack the other nodes, maybe somehow get in there and control the other nodes. Um, or <clears throat> you could uh, just have a bunch of money and, and buy a bunch of the asset and stand up your own nodes. And then, uh, um, but so the way, the, and then the way the community, and so um, Vitalik's argument is, yes, that could happen, but our community is so big. And this is where the pre-mine comes in. He, he would say like, uh, like we could go back in and, 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 well, I think it's actually, well, anyways, they, they could uh, do what's called a slash on, on, on the nefarious actor. And they would, <clears throat> they would, uh, they might keep some coins or they could, you know, again, they could, they could do whatever they want with the blockchain and, and fork off from that, from, from that spot in the blockchain. But um, yeah, that's, that's the gist of it. Okay. Well, let's, um, let's transition to a more of a positive aspect on this change. And I'm sure everybody that's been in crypto from 2020, if not 2021 has probably heard of the term triple halving. Um, and also becoming Ethereum becoming what they're referring to as ultrasound money. Now, these were pretty much buzzwords throughout 2020 and a, a decent period of 2021 also. And I'm sure it will start to be raised again once this transition transition to proof of stake has been completed. But to basically summarize this term of triple halving, my understanding is it relates to the significant inflation reduction as a result of this transition. So the current inflation rate sits at give or take 4.2% per year. And once this merge has been completed, the inflation rate will literally transition to 0.49% per year. So already a huge, you know, use that term again, a huge slashing in the inflation rate, 90%. So they're calling that, okay, this is why it's the equivalent to three halvings, hence the term triple halving. Now, a lot of people have also referred to the fact that Ethereum will eventually become a deflationary asset should it receive the adoption that many people believe it will do. For example, we've been looking at obviously DeFi over the last few years. The NFTs and the metaverse have started to poke their head out, so to speak. And so if there's enough demand on the Ethereum blockchain, there will be a burning mechanism where it will turn into a deflationary asset. I won't go into the nitty gritty of it, and, and maybe Izzy can probably communicate it more eloquently than I can. But Ethereum Maxes will love this part because, okay, we've discussed that maybe more of a negative part in terms of the, the centralization and the censorship resistance. But in terms of the price action, my understanding is that if this merged is successful and ethereum does continue to be built on and adopted by developers and by the main by mainstream this would be an overall positive uh, price this will be a positive move in terms of price action so you know it's not all yeah. bad right no absolutely 
<clears throat> and thank you for balancing out the um, the discussion towards that. Because yeah, it's re it's really easy to talk about the bad parts of proof of stake. Uh, so and and my but my general opinion for Ethereum is that it will continue to be probably the number two. I don't think that the the world order will change. Um, I, I wouldn't be terribly surprised that there could even be a flipping where you know Ethereum could supplant Bitcoin. <clears throat> it's it's more. Uh, it's modern technology. You know, Bitcoin was the first iteration of attempt at technology for uh, decentralized peer-to-peer -peer cash transactions. <clears throat> but um, and and Ethereum is at apples and oranges to Bitcoin. Um, it's it's a it's a smart contract. It has smart contracts. It's you know I I like the way someone else put it. Um, it's basically like holding Ethereum is like holding a voucher for for cloud computing. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, the Ethereum is known as the Ethereum virtual machine, where um, <clears throat> you can go out and build decentralized applications. And a lot of people built, like the community is huge. And so when, as they move forward with the triple happening, <clears throat> and I, you know a lot more than, about that than I do based on what you just said. Um, <clears throat> but no, I've been hearing that for, for months and months as well as a part of this, this merging that, um, yeah, the, the triple happening uh it's it's gonna it's gonna be a more of a deflationary asset so you know that combined with the community and like they're they're not stupid people um like <laughs> far from it far from right it. they're incredibly like but even even you know even incredibly smart people do do some things that other people would consider not smart <laughs> um <laughs> consider stupid and like yeah, I disagree with with their opinions on proof of work and and proof of stake. As far as being a good cryptocurrency, um, it, it steers away from fundamentals that that I appreciate. However, like I hold some Ethereum, and I think I think their community is cool, and I think what they're doing is is pretty is, for the most part pretty cool. Um, just because they're not perfect in every in every aspect of being a cryptocurrency doesn't mean that they're not going to remain relevant. And um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, how, how much of an influence the miners have af after all of these changes and, um, and, and what the, what the, so there's after this, uh, that might go into another topic, but basically after, after the merge, um, it's essentially a fork um, and all of those NFTs, um, all of those, uh, all the uh, you know everything that you have tokens coins everything i yeah, can see where you're right. going with this absolutely <clears throat> yeah all that stuff gets um will will still be there on another chain and that's going to be called ethw ethw and um so there's a team of people working on that you can actually buy uh ethw eio or no, no i ious <laughs> i was getting mixed up with that oh episode. really Wow. Yeah. So, okay. so that's, that. that's been, in, yeah, that's been in place. Um, and they were like a hundred bucks or, or more like a couple months ago and they've gone down to 30 bucks. So my opinion is I would not buy those. I'm, this is not financial advice. I would not buy those right now at even at $30 at $30 or whatever they are, even though they've, they've gone way down because what could happen is people after this merge, they will have a lot of, you know, a lot of ETHW or whatever ETHW they had, you know, they'll, will be inherited from, from the new, anyway, you get the idea. Um, <laughs> and, and so, and so I just imagine people are going to go and dump that asset, you know, and do whatever they want to do with it. Um, I, so, I'm dump, I don't know about you, Izzy, I'm dumping. 
I'm dumping pretty much 50-60% straight away. Yeah. Of the fork of the of the classic of the East W kind of, of stuff. Of the forked, yeah. I just think that yeah. despite my, I, I actually agree with you on proof of work, but yeah. I I do believe that proof of stake will be adopted. I think I saw a stat. I think it was today that eighty four point four percent of miners are ready for the transition. So there's still a few that are looking to probably mine. I would imagine. I'm not sure how that stat was spun up, but it's something I saw this morning. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens. But basically, for everyone listening in, to to summarize what Izzy was referring to is that after this fork, everything that is currently on the proof of work blockchain, sorry, on the that will transition across to proof of stake, there'll be two copies. So you'll have two copies of essentially Ethereum. You'll have the proof of work Ethereum and the proof of stake Ethereum. And Izzy, I think, really, uh, referred to the ticker that will be. ETHW, I think you referred to, Izzy. And all your NFTs, all the tokens that are currently on the, that you hold in MetaMask or some exchanges as well, you'll essentially have a replica, but on the other blockchain, thanks to the fork that's going to happen. So there is an airdrop opportunity for the average investor here. I'm hoping to to benefit from this airdrop, but the ETH proof of work chain that will, will maybe remain for a short period of time, perhaps, um, I will be I will be getting rid of unfortunately because it's not profitable for the miners to keep mining thanks to that that TT that TTD that I referred to earlier so you know make the most of it guys yeah, with, yeah. Um, will those miners uh, perhaps I don't know what algorithm Ethereum is but does this uh, does this open an opportunity for Epic Cash to get more miners perhaps I don't know. Potentially. Um, potentially, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, a really good point. Yeah, it's a but great point. Before we get into the miners, I just want to go back and uh, just a security advisement. Um, if you plan on doing stuff on on the old chain, send whatever your stuff is on the old chain. So, like right right now, you what, how it would flow is in your in a MetaMask wallet. If you held Ethereum or some some other wallet, um, you wouldn't see any any change. Your Ethereum just looks like normal Ethereum. But what you could do is you could go and add the new, the new token called ETHW and it will be on the same address and everything. And so what you want to do before you start interacting with this stuff is send whatever you have on your, on your plain old address to a new address and then interact with it because otherwise people, you know, people will try to move whatever's on your old address. It's like, uh, I can't remember, I think it might like be called a replay attack, not a replay attack. Anyways, they can, but they could, uh, they could, Hack, hack that address and and do all kinds of bad stuff. So the, the, the simplest way is to just send whatever assets on the old chain that you want to want want to do anything with onto a new address. Just make a new address, make a new wallet account or whatever, and send your send your coins that you plan to interact with onto that new one. Does that make sense? I, I believe so. Yes, it's that's something I actually wasn't aware of. So thanks for raising. So I hold a few NFTs. So are you <laughs> suggesting that I would need to move those to the new chain? I would. So they'll be on the old chain, um, yeah. and, and the new chain will just look normal. Uh, like you can do whatever on the new chain and and be and be safe with it. Now, when you go when you're when you add that token on the old chain, and all of a sudden you see all your your old NFTs, but they're on the old chain, but on the even though they're on the old chain, they'll be on the same address. You want to send what's on the old chain to a new address on the old chain. Ah, <laughs> so, okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. So I imagine that would even be a different net a network, or would it be? I don't know. Gosh, that's so weird. Um, 
We should have revised this part, shouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, so so you hmm. basically, guys, just be careful, and we're not financial advisors as well. Yeah, just as but a disclaimer. Se- definitely send send your old stuff to a to a new address, like on your own, before somebody else does. <laughs> sure. Okay. <laughs> well. To just to close out that point of Ethereum, you know, hopefully becoming a deflationary asset. I don't wish bad on Ethereum. I also think it's a great project. Um, so you know, there will be some positivity in terms of price action, in terms of the the economics of the of the coin, be it Ethereum. And so you know, in the long term, should it be adopted, the tokenomics of Ethereum will eventually lead it to increasing in, in value. There's no question about that. So, guys, I know we've covered the triple halvening. I know we've covered the censorship resistance side, but I think we did briefly bring it up there, the airdrop potential. So, in the short term, where... So could we talk about the uh, mining that Levy brought up? Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Sorry. Um, yeah, so there's a bunch of miners. I see them in YouTube videos. I see them in Discords chatting, like, what you know, hey, guys, where are you going to next? Uh, uh a lot of folks are going to ETHW, so I've, I've seen there's, there's potentially going to be a lot of miners that go and check out ETHW. Um, a lot of miners are looking at just other, other, other coins, so that, that's a potential impact for Epic Cash because we are mineable with equipment that used to be used to mine Ethereum, and that was actually part of our strategy in how we chose our mining algorithm uh, distribution. So... Um, I'm gonna to have to get my memory parts of my brain working here of what the how it used to work. So you know when you mine Epic Cash, you can imagine you have a, a jar of a hundred beans, and we uh, have three different kinds of equipment that can be used to to mine and extract those beans from that jar. And so it, you can use computer processors, CPUs. You can use graphics processors, GPUs, and you can use ASICs. And we, it's designed that way on purpose to allow ASICs because it, now we have a measure of control on how often those ASICs can even participate in the network. And it's really a brilliant design, defensive design approach because we're like, you know, what, you know, well, any algorithm that we put out there could eventually be twisted. You know, if it's if, if the juice is worth the squeeze, the equipment manufacturers will will find a way and make make equipment that that will um, that will be specialized. And that's even happened with Ethereum, <clears throat> not not to the same scale of, of early ASICs, but but it is more efficient to buy to to buy the mass-produced, manufactured uh, Ethereum miners. But what we do with um, us allocating that percentage to ASICs is it's guaranteed. Well, it doesn't matter if you make an ASIC, uh, you know that that's the percentage that you get. And so it initially uh, with Epic, it was two percent that w- that would be allowed for ASICs, and then it was sixty-two thir- percent. That would, or no, sixty percent. That would be allowed for CPUs, so it favored computer pro- uh, computer processors, uh, just run of the mill AMD, you know, fifty nine hundred, thirty nine hundred X, whatever, uh, Intel i nines, you know, computer processors, right? Uh, Apple M ones, M twos, these are computer processors. So the majority, sixty percent of you know of blocks that were mined in Epic. Went went to those computer processors, and then thirty eight percent were allocated for GPUs initially. Well, a- after the um, last 
era change. So we have these eras and we go from era one to era two, era three, and then eventually get up to like the, what we call the singularity in 2028. And, and I think that's like era six. <clears throat> and then, but at each era change, we, um, we have a governance vote within the community and we decide and we, and we discuss what, what the um, values of, of a certain mining, mining algorithm mix or, or distribution to CPUs or GPUs, like what, what does that mean and, and how does that impact the community? And so as a community, we saw more value in giving more of the mining share of the proof of work um, to graphics cards units users because of what's happening, in large part because of what's happening in Ethereum where they were changing to proof of stake. And so that was, that was the community's um, idea for potentially attracting more of the miners from the Ethereum community to come mine with the Epic Cash community is to make it more rewarding for them to do so. Um, but, and so what we ended up with going, going with was a 48% to CPUs, so down from 60%. And then we went 48% to graphics cards, so up from uh, 38%. And and so so and so that's 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 the gist of you know uh, how this topic um, in, you know interacts with Epic Cash and and our uh, approach to 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 engineering our proof of work uh, design. So could we potentially, and I'm sure you probably have knowledge of these, but could we go to certain forums or Discord or Telegram groups to? promote the mining of Epic Cash to these current Ethereum miners? Is that something we could potentially do? It's a good point. It's, it's, uh, it's worthwhile. Um, you know, it, a lot, miners tend to have their minds made up a lot of times, but, <clears throat> but you know, to politely interject uh, here and there, like, hey, I know a lot of people that used to mine Ethereum are looking for a new home. Epic Cash is here, you know, uh, just putting that out there. Why, why not? Um, I've... <laughs> I've occasionally pinged on bitcointalk.org. So now that you mention it, I think I will do that sometime today. I think I will, you know, and um, it's nice to have friends out there in the, com in the community doing the same thing. So like if other people yeah, happen to go out there and just drop a friendly line, like, hey, you know, and, and don't engage combatively because it's so easy, you know, just, just let the, just let the, um, the hate, co the hateful comments roll down river and, and just like, let those go water under under the bridge and let let that stuff flow away and just move on to the next group there's so, so many groups out there in discord um we can find and and, chat and interact with like Voss boss coin is a well-known youtuber um there's mine your business who's uh has a pretty good mining following um so maybe yeah maybe i'll share some links in telegram and you know just little places we can do some door knocking yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Izzy, if you would like to share those um, in the Twitter Spaces Telegram group, I can join in helping you. I think it would be a, a good opportunity, and it's good timing as well, like you pointed out a number of times today. Like, the, the, the timing couldn't be better for us to do this. Right. Yep. Definitely. Uh, Levy, did, just, to, just to check, did you have any other questions before we decided to move on on this uh, mining topic? Um, I did. I don't know... I mean, I'll just ask it, and and Izzo, you'll tell me if it's if it's a long answer. We can discuss it in Telegram after. Um, but I was just curious, like these validators in in the Ethereum proof of stake, they sound like they have a lot of a lot of power or control uh, for some reason. Like you don't you don't hear the same stuff with the mining equipment. They seem like validators. Can they like decide not to validate or 
I don't really know all that stuff, but yeah, that's my question. Right. Uh, that's that's correct. So validators can team up, and um, when they have enough, when they have fifty one percent of the the validator weight, then they can um, agree to certain actions, such as not payment or blocking payment um, or agreeing to slash a node. So so yeah. Um, I don't, that's oh, a short okay. answer. It has yep. to be 51%, though, kind of thing. According to Vitalik, yes. Um, okay. 51% of that's, that's, nodes. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, I, ha I have heard other people, there's other kinds of attacks that can be done with proof of stake that require less, like 30%. Um, but I don't have that information in front of me. But I, 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 I do know there's various kinds of attacks that, that maybe like to a lesser extent might, might um, amount to more of like a cyber vandalism rather than a full on cyber attack. But, um, mm. but yeah, 51% is, is um, still the magic number. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks so much. I learned a lot from this uh, Twitter spaces. It was pretty sweet. Right on. Just, just coming back to you on that uh, guys, obviously Ethereum's market cap right now is around, I've just looked it up now, it's around 200 billion. Are we saying that, I think you referred to North Korea earlier, Izzy. Are we saying that if a country, a state came in and wanted to really disrupt Ethereum, would they be able to with, with all of their resources? Let's say they wanted to get 50 to 100 billion worth of Ethereum. Could that leave Ethereum vulnerable? Um... Yeah, yeah, that's that. Those are fair numbers, fifty to hundred. I mean, it could be less. Um, like, I would have to go and look at, it, do some chain analysis and see how how many nodes exist, and and uh, it's probably it's all tra transparent. It, it wouldn't be hard to to war game this thing and drop the war plans, you know, and figure out what we would have to attain. <clears throat> and so, like, yeah, like be suspicious if you see like sudden jumps in Ethereum price, like. <laughs> but that's a, yeah, that's that's the thing uh, <clears throat> with this stuff. Like, um, if you see Bitcoin's price jump, it's probably because people are buying Bitcoin. If you see, it's it's not like they're buying the the Bitcoin equipment to to mine more. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's the, the these are the problems that get introduced uh, with proof of stake and the way what's happening with Ethereum. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and I mean, last question from me. I don't know whether any other anyone else had any other topics they wanted to discuss today, but I just wanted to ask whether we think this could be a, a buy the rumor, sell the news, or whether we think that the the new tokenomics of Ethereum will will play out and people won't sell. For me, I'm I'm completely confused because I would normally rely on the fact that it's a buy the rumor, sell the news, but because of the changes in tokenomics that we've discussed and the reduction in inflation, I'm really not sure on how to play this one. I just think we're more than likely going to see the same <clears throat> crypto markets, price history, price performance play out as the past, previous four-year cycles. I do think there's more potential, there's more risk um, with it being proof of stake that it could blow up. Oh dear, okay. So okay. so that's, that's a little bit of both, right? <clears throat> like I'm, more, I'm like 70 to 80% you know, it's it's going to be fine, but I, I think I think twenty to thirty percent is a is a big risk. If if there's a twenty to thirty percent chance that I was going to get in a car accident if I if I drove my car out of the driveway, I probably just wouldn't do it. 
<clears throat> I'd probably walk or, or find a bit, you know, get someone else to drive or, or figure get something a, else get out. A bus or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I, I'm not over. I'm not over leveraged or over invested in this. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable with the small amount of coins that I have, and I, I, I think it's really it's 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 interesting. It's it's um it's it's better than going to Vegas. It's, <laughs> you know, um, oh, I don't know, about but. That. But it's a uh, yeah yeah well yeah that's arguable. Um, <laughs> we'll have to all meet up in Vegas sometimes. But um, yeah yeah that's that's my opinion on. I, I'd love to hear other thoughts and on how this uh, uh, unravels, evolves, uh, chugs along. You know, but I think I I think it could be all of the above. Um, but I tend to think that the community behind Ethereum is going to win over, even if. You know what? Even if Bitcoin blew up tomorrow, I still think the Bitcoin community would find a way to bail it out. So even if the, the sky falls and it's a massive blow up, you know, look like we like somehow U.S. or uh, Terra Classic is like five x the past I've the, seen the, that. in the past it's week. Just stupid, right? And I'm just like, okay, <clears throat> cool, cool guys, have your party. But there's other coins that are that are, that are doing that too. There's there's <clears throat> excuse me. There's twenty one thousand coins. Twenty twenty thousand nine hundred thirty one coins right now, according according to the coin market cap. Over five hundred exchanges. Um, like, like the market cap is still over in general for crypto is over a trillion dollars. Just four years ago, you know, it was nowhere near this. Um, a couple, you know, a, a year ago it was it was twice this market cap, but we're still like, I don't know. Some some matter of ten x factors or whatever from where we were in twenty seventeen, so I I just feel like the general movement of crypto continues and and it will continue. That it, if you ever ask me about cataclysmic like um, events, you know, um, extinct extinction events for any particular any of the top, I would say, maybe top five coins. Like they're gonna they're gonna figure it out. They're gonna figure out a way to come back. Maybe even the top ten, um, but like they they could blow up. It's like and and that's and that's the mark of a of a strong community. And Epic Cash had that. You know, we we got massively attacked in twenty twenty one or in Q one was like March twenty twenty one, and and we came back from it. So um, I think this community is strong enough. I think a lot of other communities are strong enough to weather whatever storms are thrown down. So yeah. Maybe up, maybe I up my prediction to ninety percent that it then won't just completely melt down. <laughs> because even if it did, it'll come back. No, I agree. Kim, I noticed that you had unmuted. Um, did you want to come in with your two penna? Oh, I I definitely can. I just noticed we're getting over in time as well. So it's not like I have anything really new to add. Izzy's done a great job. Just I I think. We do a great job as a community in Epic, and Epic itself does a great uh, job of just moving along the path that it's on. And I just I wanted to say I appreciate how you structured this discussion as well. So you can talk about what's right, what's wrong, or up or down with Ethereum or what they're doing. But then we need to look at the positive sides as well. So it, we're not just getting down on them completely, because in the long run and in reality, this, something like this has been coming for a long time. Their technology is old. There's, uh, like as you said, their their blockchain is huge. They could keep going the way the way um, the Bitcoin blockchain is going, and they've decided to go a different, you know, different way. So they've decided to solve this problem of their 
their huge blockchain and things maybe in a different way or work with this problem. And maybe it's not so surprising that as we move from the the wild west of um, Bitcoin way back in the day and we move up through Ethereum and up to today with Epic, that some of those first ones are going to edge a little closer to centralized. They're going to, um, and for reasons like this very reason, the technology's old, the blockchain's huge, the power consumption goes up there. They're already, their miners had to had to stake um, so much Ethereum that it, it was not something everybody could do. So they were already kind of on the outside of what they'd been trying to achieve in some ways. And so they've made some decisions to maybe pull it back into line in some ways and it goes farther out of line other ways. Um, but I didn't find it so surprising that those first solutions, those new ones, sometimes then end up edging a little closer to a centralized solution. And then as we move ahead with um, blockchains like Epic, it gets into where we've done things. You know, I say we, <laughs> where Epic has done things <laughs> differently, not we. Um, so they can they can still move in that really un that really decentralized uh, space, which I think is amazing. And we've also been very aware and very careful about the fact that uh, huge whales, huge, um, any kind of huge interference that's allowed can tip the scales. And Ethereum's definitely gone that way in this solution. You kind of look back and say, you know, what were their options? Uh, They obviously picked this solution for a reason. I find it scary in terms of the power, the balance, the lack of a balance of power. But... Um, you know, what would have happened if they kept going along the road they were on? And, and that's where Bitcoin is. And so would that have been a better road for them? So I think it's not a matter of good or bad. It's just better or good or best or good or better at this point. And, and they've kind of thrown the dice on that one. So uh, I, I agree with Izzy. I think they'll they'll bail themselves out and pull themselves up by their socks. That usually happens. I, I do find any kind of social slashing like that hugely scary. That's just not a balance of power. Um, and if you give them us a cookie, you know, they want a glass of milk. And right now, the people that hold the power hold the power. But like, as you said, it's usually he who has the most money wins. So you never know where that balance of power ends up. So that's all. I just wanted to say I was glad you did both sides of it. And it's not a, there's nothing bad about Ethereum for what they're doing. It's a progression. They solved some problems. They created other ones. That's what we all do as we move forward. And I'm glad that Epic is so far along that decentralized scale as to where it is now. That's it. No, thanks for that, Kim. That was a a really good summary. Um, I mean, it's. I don't want us to be a podcast here where we just focus on the negatives of every other project and we just focus on the positives of Epic Cash. I think... I, I I think we've mentioned it before and we've probably given off that impression. I actually quite like Ethereum as a project that I have for a number of years. It was always a case of me of looking for the next best project after Ethereum because I could see that the scalability flaws, I mean, they were completely obvious to everybody who's involved in crypto. So I was always more interested in products like Cardano and well, there's several, Avalanche and Polkadot, et cetera, et cetera. But Ethereum has stayed strong, and there's no doubt about it. The community, is, as he's touched upon a number of times, is huge. And the develop community, the developers is there's so many developers that work on Ethereum, so it's not going away anytime soon. And you know, it's created DeFi. You know, there's lots of DeFi protocols that are being built on Ethereum. We've got NFTs, we've got the metaverse, we've got so many different types of products that are built on Ethereum. So. It's been great. It does have flaws, absolutely, but this price action is a 
I'm going to be hodling some Ethereum, put it that way. I don't think I'm going to be selling anytime soon. But I think you're right on the on the narrative of proof of work. You guys are probably just as aware as I am around the ESG narrative that's coming into play. And so that probably has quite a big part to do with transitioning from proof of work to proof of stake as well. We're probably getting into a whole different topic in ESG, huh. but uh, I think that probably had something to do with it. But um, all in all, yeah, thanks for that, Kim. It was, um, it was a really great summary. And agreed, Izzy, you've been, again, a rock star today. So thank you for your, for your uh, inputs. Well, speaking of rock stars, and, you know, I, I, there, there is um, a, a, a crypto celebrity uh, sort of um, bias that people get into. And, like, like, when you see people that are cited in the Ethereum white paper or cited in the Bitcoin white paper, um, one thing I want, I want to try to do with our own community is sing the praises of people like Todd Lewis, who um, innovated our proof of work model um, that to, I have not seen a better proof of work model iterated in any blockchain project. And um, people, people just, uh, a lot of, I think a lot of people don't, don't get it, like, like how important um, sharing, sharing the, the blocks between specific hardware is and, and that distinctive measure. Um, but yeah, so like I, I want to get to the point where, you know, because um, what I see happen is um, certain names like uh, Yonatan Soplinski, um, you just start, you know, and like probably a lot of people will be like, like including myself, will be like, what? Who's that? You know, but <laughs> but but this this where we are in crypto today and how early we are, like the thousands and upon thousands of people who 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 know this. Uh, this sector and get into it, like those names are important because they have innovate. You know, they they are largely um, uh, responsible from their academic work uh, and their in their work in computer science to to get to 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 where Ethereum ended up. And so, I, I just think people like Todd Lewis in our own community and um, probably and probably others, um, <clears throat> other core developers we have uh, some 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 of the folks maybe even in Poland and what they're doing. Um, you know, they, they deserve to, to be kind of like, um, to have that swagger about them as well. And, and for people to go, Oh, Todd, Todd's doing what Todd Lewis is doing what, you know? Yeah. Um, because just, we, we have that experience and, um, and, and that like proof of their innovation in our blockchain. So I'll just leave it there. No, agreed. And I was, as soon as you said that, I was thinking that's to me got to be another topic. So I just noted down now, why is proof of work so important or even better? Why is the Epic Cash polyphasic proof of work algorithm a game changer? Perhaps that's another subject that we can discuss on, on another day. Hell yeah, brother. Cool. Okay, guys. Well, thank you to everyone for joining in today. It's been, I've, again, I've enjoyed it this week. And like Levy said earlier, I've really learned a lot. So if you're new to Epic Cash, come and join the community at t.me forward slash Epic Cash and make sure to come and join us next week at the same time, 2 p.m. Eastern. Thanks to everyone for joining in today. Have a lovely weekend and I'll speak with you all very soon. Cheers all.